you're listening to the Locked In Podcast. Here's your host, Algernon Cash. I'm Algernon Cash, and you're locked in um, across the great state of North Carolina. So many small communities over the last several years have been looking to transform themselves. Um, we've seen so many great successes out of Raleigh and Charlotte. And I think smaller communities like High Point, Greensboro, Winston-Salem are also looking to transform their communities to be more entrepreneurial centric and entrepreneurial based. And um, right here in Winston-Salem for Scythe County, my good friend, Karen Barnes is leading the charge to create what she calls an entrepreneurial ecosystem right here in Winston-Salem. I first had the chance to meet Karen when she was leading Venture Cafe, which was a series of networking events that took place across Winston-Salem for about three years. She is now the CEO of Agile City, uh, which is a nonprofit innovation consultancy. Um, Karen, thank you for locking in with me. How are you? Absolutely. I'm great, Algernon. It's really wonderful to see you, and I'm excited to be to be locked in with you today. Well, thank you for uh, joining us. This is long, long overdue. I've been doing this show now for I guess over a year uh, since COVID happened, and um, you you are someone that's been on my radar for a while to get on and talk about some of the great work you're doing here in town, and then your, your energy is always infectious, so I think my audience will pick up on that um, throughout our conversation, uh, let's, so let's it's just great to have you. Word. Maybe not infectious, <laughs> but let's use a different word. <laughs> you, you know, I, I, let's, let's start there. You, you and I really initially met um, when you were with Venture Cafe, you led mm-hmm. the startup of that initiative. And for my audience, Venture Cafe successfully hosted um, a series of networking events over about a three-year period that really gave entrepreneurs an opportunity to connect with professionals, um, community leaders, elected officials. Uh, so many different types of people um, would, would be at these Venture Cafe gatherings, as they call them. Um, Karen, you're a very socially oriented person. Um how, how does it feel to go from doing all those venture cafe gatherings to now you you're largely probably stuck on zoom all the time? You know, like, like a lot of people, I, you know, I have to manage the number of zoom meetings I do a day because I do get, you know, zoom fatigued like some of us do. And I'm on multiple platforms all day long. You know, you can go from WebEx to Google meet to teams to zoom. Like we've all gotten very fluent and, um, my New Year's resolution is to not have to not to start talking before I check the mute button. Right. I'm, I'm so tired of like, you're on mute. You're on mute. So, you know, it's it's been tough, like a lot of people who are extroverted and love being around people. Um, it's hard. It's, it's hard. Um, and that's one of the reasons why we pivoted from Venture Cafe when COVID came into the picture, because you just lose that magic and that spontaneity and um, the ability to do sort of those, uh, we, we used to call them serendipitous, what do we call it? Like serendipitously engineered or something like that because there was a lot of work that went behind all the Thursday gatherings. But, you know, I miss the ability for somebody to say, hey, you know, I'm at this point in my company development where I really need a blank. And I can look across the room and be like, come with me. I need to introduce you to this, you know, to this incredible coder or whatever. And uh, just, um, I miss hearing people's stories. I miss those spontaneous, that storytelling and just that, that, you know, that human connection. 
You know, I, I thought a lot about you. You know, you and I, um, like so many of us, a lot of us got separated when COVID happened or leading mm. into COVID. Um, it just seemed like there's a lot of, despite yeah. the fact we were all at home in one place, we, we also became a bit disconnected. Um, you, you know, I thought about you a lot during that period because I knew Venture Cafe was really engineered around people coming together and the gatherings and being in the one pl- in the at one place and space at, at the same time. Mm-hmm. I noticed you all tried to pivot to doing virtual, and you know, you know, shortly after that, just decided to to, to terminate altogether. At, for my audience, how much did COVID play in your decision to to move on from Venture Cafe? And then how much of it was just that, you know, maybe Venture, Venture Cafe had run its course and it was time for something, you know, new? Yeah, great question. So prior to COVID, um, there were some, so Venture Cafe operates almost like as a franchise model, right? There's a Venture Cafe Global and, and decisions kind of come down to the different sites and there are models and business plans and sort of things you're expected to do as a, as a Venture Cafe site. And Winston-Salem was always, you know, the sticky Audi in the network. Um, Venture Cafe is in huge cities around the world, you know, uh, Tokyo, Sydney, you know, Boston, just, you know, much bigger cities than, than Winston. And we, we were an experiment. And so often things that would sort of come down from Venture Cafe Global were designed to fit big economies and big communities like Boston or, or Tokyo. Um, and they weren't very realistic for what we could do here in Winston-Salem for what we could support. So we were having some philosophical disagreements with Venture Cafe Global even before COVID hit. But really after COVID hit, um, that was the that was the biggest driver of our decision, Algernon, is, you know, I remember having an emergency board meeting about six weeks after we pivoted to the virtual model. And the beauty of the virtual model is we could share programming with, you know, Philadelphia and, and sites around the world. And that was exciting, but it was Zoom. It was just constrained. There were just you just lost the energy. And so my board asked me, you know, is this the most important and impactful thing we can be doing right now? And I said, I don't think it is. And they said, well, go figure it out. And so I I came back about six weeks later and um, had done a lot of work and thinking about where are the pain points over the last three or four years that I've seen, you know, where the gaps are, what are the gaps that need to be filled? And one of those gaps was, there was no intentional economic development strategy to recruit startups here. And there was no sort of entrepreneurial support organization that was wholly dedicated to building out the ecosystem. It was just this, you know, coalition of volunteers that were all building this ecosystem in our spare time, which we didn't have any of because we're all stretched super thin trying to give our programs life, that the ecosystem that we've built, and it's a good one, But the ecosystem that we have built has been on the backs of a small number of people. It has been underfunded traditionally. And and only now are we really starting to see um, sort of some density of successes, right? Just yesterday morning, I read a press release from a startup that moved up here, uh, went through Winston Starts through the incubator, uh, Wellnessity, right? And they've just successfully raised a very healthy Series A round, right? But there, there aren't a lot of startups like that. So that's, that's why we created Agile City is, is how, can we, how can we also be more financially self-sustaining? 
right? It's, it's really hard business model to run a nonprofit um, when you're dependent on grants and philanthropy. It is, it is so, and my hat is off to people who, who do it all the time. Like I come out of the for-profit world and it was a brand new business model for me. So I, I just blew it up um, with Agile City and, and borrowed some principles from venture philanthropy to try to make it work. Well, and, and one thing I've noticed that you, you're doing with Agile City, um, yeah, I mean, you, you've got this sort of focus on innovation and the entrepreneurial ecosystem, as you coined it. Um, but, but you also seem to really get involved or, or engaged with a lot of just general economic development here in the mm. community. I know that you interact a lot with the chamber and um, Mark Owens and Bob Leak and mm-hmm. David Mounts and so many others around town that I think are, are looking at, you know, how do you really grow um, this community? I, I guess for, for a moment, talk, talk a little bit about Agile City role. Um, not just in entrepreneurship, but but in just just within economic development for the community at large. You know, uh, and it's not just Agile City leading the charge, right? I don't want this to sound like we're the only ones doing this. It's very much a collaborative effort. But um, you know, for a long time, economic development um, has been about big buffalo hunting, right? Let's go find the really large manufacturers and convince them to come build their 500,000 square foot manufacturing facility in a mega site and we'll give them a bunch of tax incentives and they'll create some jobs and that's what we did and and for a long time i think our region has been sort of you know myopically obsessed and focused on getting a car manufacturer right and so now we've got this big toyota ev plant hooray we may be getting a big aviation manufacturer you know awesome But with those wins, it's my hope that we we can start influencing a mindset shift into entrepreneurship and business creation is economic development. It deserves a place in the portfolio of economic development. It deserves to be given priority and institutional-sized investment, and it deserves to be more than just written into economic development plans. As I recently shared with someone who runs a, a regional economic development organization here, so that in the five years that I've been doing this work, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a city, city government, a county government, a chamber, you know, a regional quasi-governmental organization, everybody's good and, and very good about putting entrepreneurship and innovation in their plan. But what they're not have not been traditionally good at is actually funding that plan, taking some action on that plan. And that is starting to change. And, and the big example that I, I want to tell you about today, Algernon, is, is actually really exciting because we've made some significant progress. So as part of the big rescue plan, um, the Economic Development Authority, the EDA, part of the federal government, Um, has this Build Back Better Regional Challenge Grant. And it awards regions up to $80 million Hmm. in activities and infrastructure projects that are around three things, an industry sector, equity, and entrepreneurship, right? Ah, like the light is streaming down. Like these, these are the things that we definitely need in this region, right? So the Piedmont Triad Regional Regional Council, which is the 12-county sort of economic development organization, uh, convened a lot of us 
And we submitted a plan and we were one of 52 around the country that was selected to develop um, a plan to submit to that. So our, our chances went from like one out of, you know, 862 to now, you know, like one out of 60. So our chances are, are looking really good. And what we're doing right now is putting together, you know, we have this advanced manufacturing focus. It's, it's around how do we build more capacity for advanced manufacturing? How do we pull in, you know, uh, underserved entrepreneurs and rural entrepreneurs and women entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs of color and get them more access to starting businesses or growing businesses that are around advanced manufacturing. So $80 million is a transformative amount of money for this region. And, you know, I'm, I'm feeling very optimistic about our ability to go win this thing. You know, I think that's huge um, news and, you know, really speaks to something that I've been in, you know, very vocal about for at least the last 15 years in our area, which, which is regionalism. Um, a mm. lot, lot, lot of people think maybe I coined that phrase because I use it so often, but, but it was actually Dr. Donald Judd, who was a UNCG economist, um, 20 years ago was, was, was really, you know, making his way throughout the region and trying to encourage so many of us that, that we needed to be working together and, you know, Greensboro and High Point, Winston-Salem should be working together. Um, many also know, especially if you're in my audience, you also know, I have a very jaded view of, 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 of our ability to work together just simply because, in the 20 plus years that, that we've been talking about it, we just haven't demonstrated that, yeah. that we can that we can quite do it yet. Um, I've got Robbie Perkins, um, former mayor of Greensboro, also a um, high profile real estate broker in Greensboro. He's going to be my guest on the show here in the next couple of weeks. And I recall when Robbie, you know, Robbie was one of the first pioneers to come up with this concept called the heart of the triad which again was a regional plan to, to get all the, the, the communities to work together. I, I thought he was going to get tarred and feathered, um, you know, as, once people heard it. Um, I, you, you know, and, and then I, I stand back now and I look at, you know, the big announcements that you, you just, you know, you alluded to the Toyota battery manufacturing plant. That's a billion dollar plus investment um, going to create a lot of jobs, a lot of high paying jobs. That's just the direct impact. We can't even quantify yet what the indirect impact is going to be from all the suppliers who, who are going to locate in this area to be next to that, that facility. But, you know, that, that was something that Greensboro decided that they wanted to do and they wanted to, they got committed to it a decade ago. They, mm -hmm. they made a lot of investments along the way. They had a lot of people that actually tried to come and tell them to do something different with the site, but they stay very committed to, to, to what, they, what they knew they needed to be doing. You look at the um, boom um, plane manufacturer, yeah, yeah. supersonic plane manufacturer that's looking to come. That's another example, in my opinion, where Greensboro was just really forward thinking. You know, they, they didn't allow that airport to get boxed in. They bought thousands and thousands and thousands of acres, even when residents and voters and so many people said they shouldn't have been doing it. They kept doing it. The airport authority had a very long range vision. And, you know, now they've got to some degree a world class airport and, and they're looking at companies that want to be near it. We seem to, in Winston-Salem, we, we, we talk a really, really good game, but sometimes don't put action to making those kind of strategic investments that really allow for our community and our city to be poised the right way to take advantage of these opportunities. Karen, with the work that you're doing, and I know there's so many fresh faces now in town, I mean, you and Mark Owens and several others, um, I was even speaking with you offline the other day about Chase Law, who's over at the mm -hmm. Arts Council now, I really like her a lot. Um, 
what's what's different? What 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 we you know if you're if you're like me and you've been around here for a while, you've heard this, you've heard it, you've heard it. What are we actually doing different than we than, than you know than what we were doing before? Yeah. So let me let me share with you a, a response I gave to someone else the other day. They asked me a question. They said, you know, Karen, if you had to look at Greensboro and Winston in terms of economic entrepreneur, you know, starts sort of energy, you know, how how would you rank them, right? And and regardless of the Toyota EV plant boom supersonic, I'm just talking about startups and small business, right? And I said, you know, when I got into this work about five years ago now, um, Greensboro had had Winston-Salem beat just hands down, hands down. More co-working spaces, maker space, starting to build a little innovation district around HQ Greensboro. You know, they had accelerators and, and launch Greensboro was going and Nussbaum Center and the Forge and Greensboro was just kicking our butts, man. And so, but what happened in Winston is we all got together and we started building trust and relationships. And someone told me, honestly, on my first day as executive director of Venture Cafe, they said, change only happens at the speed of trust. Change only happens at the speed of trust. And so we we set aside all of our little silos and we started thinking about how do we collaborate? How do we share resources? How do we co-create? How do we start going to these educating city council and county commission. How do we do this together, right? And we were very intentional. We started meeting on a regular basis, which we still do. And then out of that work, we we started identifying gaps, right? And then we started creating things to fill gaps. And one of those gaps was regionalism, right? How do we work with Greensboro? And it's tricky, Algernon, and, and, and we made some progress on it, for about a year and a half, maybe two years pre-COVID. And we really were starting to see, as long as we kept it out of the political realm, we were really starting to see some, some nice collaboration back and forth. Um, but when you start getting politics and real dollars into the equation, that's where things get very tricky because, you know, Greensboro wants to build things in Greensboro and Guilford County and Winston wants to build things in Winston and Forsyth County. And, you know, if you look at, I'm going to get real geeky here for a minute. There's this great McKinsey study that came out a couple of years ago that looked at every county in the country and it sort of characterized the economy of every, of every county. Guilford County was what was known as America's makers So very much based in manufacturing, you know, tobacco, denim, you know, Greensboro has a rich history there as well. Winston and Forsyth County were slightly different. We were called a small independent economy. And so just, you know, you start, I know that sounds like maybe not a big difference, but there are still some pretty big differences between Winston and Greensboro. I think, I think in Winston, the fact that we have an innovation district that is, you know, has over a billion dollars of investment in it. I believe that we have um, now more entrepreneurial programs than Greensboro does. I think we've got more sophisticated startups than Greensboro may have at the moment. And and they're getting more and bigger investments from venture capitalists. I I think you're, you you know, the point that you make about the political part of it and, um, um, you, you know, I'm very much engaged with politics. I, I work mm-hmm. a lot with a lot of our 
not only our local elected officials, but work a lot with our state elected officials, not just in Forsyth County, but across the, the region. And I, I think you're right. You know, when you involve the politics, it does become more challenging simply because, you know, I've got a constituency that's based on the southwest side of Winston-Salem. And, you know, I've got to get reelected based on rewarding or, you know, benefiting that constituency. And that constituency may have nothing to do with what's happening in Greensboro um, or what's happening in High Point. So it becomes a little bit muddy. Um, I do think some kind of way, and, and obviously we still haven't found the, the magic answer here, is some kind of way we have to transcend that. And it, it, we, we're going to have to find elected officials who can, and I've said this publicly, I've, even when Robbie was mayor, Robbie and I talked a lot about this. We have to find elected officials who, who can transcend that and, and really do the job of a leader and help residents to understand that we need to work together. And, and I know that, um, you, you know, it's not clear cut as we need it to be, but we need to, I just look at, you, you know, take entrepreneurship out of it for a moment, but I look at the infrastructural development in Greensboro and it just blows my mind. I mean, the, you know, they've got one loop pretty much completed, getting ready to start on another one. Um, that airport is, is just a huge asset that, that I, I don't think people really understand what that really means when companies are looking around to, to figure out where to locate at. Um, so it's just got a lot of assets that I think that we can leverage and be a part of. And, and I do think that the Toyota battery manufacturing plant, as well as Boom, are going to have big benefits um, right here in Winston-Salem um, because we're, we're well positioned for it. I, I also love what you said a moment ago about the need to um, grow companies. And I think mm -hmm. that's a lot of what you focus on, not only through Agile City, but through some of the other collaboration that you're doing with the Chamber and others. And, and I, 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 I really agree with that. I, I also think that when you grow something, you also have to make sure you have the right conditions and environment to sustain it. And, and I, I think that in our community in Winston-Salem, we, we have demonstrated quite well, actually, that we are really good at growing things, um, we Haynes are. brand, uh, Wachovia, uh, BBNT, um, uh, you, you, you name it. Krispy I mean, Kreme, Texas Krispy Pete. Kreme, Texas Pete. Um, you know, we have grown some really great companies here, but we've also demonstrated because of not having the right environment that we, you can lose those companies as well. And when you talk about entrepreneurship, one of the things that I really, really think about if you're an early stage company and you're growing and you're going through rapid growth, you are really going through capital really, mm. really quickly. And what, what I have seen is that companies get to a certain stage and they almost feel like they have to go to RTP. They have to go to Silicon Valley. They yeah. have to go to Austin, Texas. And the reason why is because that's where the money is. And, you, you know, if I'm an institutional investor and I put money in your company, I don't want to drive all the way to Winston-Salem or fly all the way to Winston-Salem to go to the board meetings. I, I want you to be where I'm at, where I live. What are we doing to, to really develop the environment? And I'm really thinking hard about capital because capital mm -hmm. is the lifeblood of any growing company. Yep. What are we doing to make sure that we have an environment that's not just growing companies, but, but retaining them as, as well? I am so glad you asked me that question because there, there have been so many developments on this front. So you mentioned the chamber, which now goes by Greater Winston-Salem. So they have a new fund called the Whisper Fund, the Winston-Salem Partners Roundtable. And my understanding is it's now between 60 and 70 investors who pool their money, right? It's, it's um, 
it's almost like an investing club, right? It's not, you know, one decision is made and everybody invests in, in the one uh, the one company. And, and actually just earlier this week, they announced over half a million dollars investment in three local Winston-Salem companies, right? That's incredible. We've also, you know, raised fund number two for the Dioco fund, which is based on, you know, health tech. Um, and they've invested in uh, local companies, including Javara, which, you know, is just blowing their, their goals out of the water, like exponential growth. We're also attracting more outside investors. Just this Wellnessity Series A that I just mentioned, that, that investor is, is not from Winston-Salem. We've also got uh, Flurry, which is a big blockchain database successful startup. They got invested by Steve Case's Rise to the Rest Fund. So not only have we developed more homegrown resources, we are starting to get more on the radar for regional and national investors. And I, I would say, actually, Algernon, it's it's not a mandate anymore for venture capitalists to only be investing in Silicon Valley, right? That's one of the great equalizers that has that COVID has brought to the table, right? Which is Silicon Valley is grossly overrated, overhyped, overinflated. Great ideas come from anywhere, whether it's in Kansas City, you know, or Tupelo, Mississippi, or Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Like there are incredible entrepreneurs here. So Investors are starting to look at more geographic diversification, and sometimes that's actually more important because dollars can stretch farther here, right? And one of the other capital stacks that I want to talk about is, um, is our Venture Winston Grants program. So we actually just this week uh, announced our nine finalists, but let me tell you what this is. We essentially ran a, a startup grants competition in the future of healthcare, the future of aviation, the future of food, nutrition, and agriculture. And we are offering companies $50,000 non-dilutive grants, non-equity grants. That means it's basically free money. And they come to Winston-Salem and they, they're going to be in residence in Winston-Salem through the Winston Starts program. So surrounded by mentors, surrounded by by programming, we have a concierge for our nine member cohort. And we've got companies coming from all over the country. I'm just looking at the list here from other places in North Carolina, from Boston, from California, from Georgia, from uh, India, from Washington, DC. And they're coming here because the ecosystem is so strong. They're coming here because we do, we are really good at growing companies here. And our hope is that they will see what a rich ecosystem we've built here, that they can grow their businesses here and then choose to stay here. So we have given away $450,000. I'm just writing checks this month, right? I'm just yeah. sitting here signing checks. And that's that's another almost half million dollars invested into startups right here in, in Winston-Salem. Yeah, real quick, because I am running out of time. I could, you know, obviously talk to you um, for hours about know, me stuff. Too. One, because I, I really <laughs> care a lot about the community and, and I, I like economic development, entrepreneurship. These all passions of mine. You, you talked about real, real fast. You talked about the, the, uh, the grant amounts being around $50,000. You've given out somewhere around $450,000 real fast. What, what, what was the thought behind the strategy on the out on the amounts? So it, it, in, in other words, why, why would you give away, so many smaller grants of 50,000 instead of us just finding 
you know, one or two companies that have really, really big, great ideas that can make a huge impact and you give them the whole 450. I mean, yeah. and, 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 not, and not saying that you're doing it the wrong way. I'm just trying to understand what the, the strategy was around that. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, as, as you know, startups are a numbers game. You know, if, if you take 10 startups, you're probably going to have one or two who are going to make it big and probably about six or seven who are going to do okay. And then you're going to just have some abject failures. So when you're in that really early stage, you want more startups rather than fewer, right? And so that's it. these startups are in their very early stage. We gave them $50,000 because that's a significant amount of money for early stage startups to get them to that first minimum viable product, right? Or, or, or uh, uh, concept or prototype. Right. And so that's what we're trying to do is we're trying to generate many more startups at the top of the funnel and then sort of, you know, grow them. And that number will there'll be a lot of natural attrition to that number. So just diversifying risk and making Absolutely. sure you got yep. several dogs in the hunt kind of thing. That's well, it. Well, Karen, I really appreciate you locking in. You know, obviously, for my audience, if you've been listening to this conversation, the other voice that you've heard is Karen Barnes. Um, CEO of Agile City, which is a nonprofit innovation consultancy based right here in Winston-Salem. And she is working, as you can tell, overtime to not only try to develop the e entrepreneurial ecosystem in our community, but she's also working to recruit companies and, and really try to transform um, what we do here in Winston-Salem. I mean, I think all of us would agree that we are desperately in need of some economic revitalization. I do think that this community um, you know, coming out of the, the traditional industries of agriculture and tobacco and so many things that shape this community. Um, we are a bit of in an identity crisis and we're having to try to figure out what the face of Winston-Salem is going to look like um, as we move forward. And I think there are smart people like Karen and, and so many others that are locating in the town that are in the community that are making up the face of what this community is going to look like. Um, Karen, real quick, before I let you go, any last words or how can my um, audience reach out to you? Absolutely. So you can find us on socials at, at Agile City WS. You can also look at our website, agilecity.ws, but I will tell you it's under massive reconstruction. So maybe give us a little while on that one, but we'd love to hear from anybody about what their particular needs are around entrepreneurship or, you know, happy to talk with you about how we can help. That's awesome. Thank you, Karen, again. And then to my audience, as always, I appreciate y'all locking in with me. Um, if this is the first time you heard this conversation, we do this every single week. I encourage you to go find um, Locked In with Algernon Cash. We're on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We're all over social media. Um, but we also want to th say thank you to our radio partner, WTOB, um, for broadcasting the show every single week. Um, if you missed part of the conversation and you want to go back and listen to it, you can always check out the Locked In podcast. It's available on Apple, Pandora, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You can lock in with me there. And until next time, as always, y'all stay locked in. The executive producer of the Locked In Podcast is Algernon Cash for WCG. The associate producer is Tim Beeman for Such and Such Media. The views and opinions in this podcast are solely those of the contributors and are not necessarily those of our distributors or hosting company. This podcast is copyrighted and cannot be reproduced without express written consent of WGC.